be when you grow up? Some typical responses are a fireman or the President of the United States or maybe a doctor or a lawyer or a garbage man because they get to drive those neat big trucks and stand on the back when they're riding through town. What would you like to be when you grow up? And then there are some of you who are grown up and you're saying, what do I want to be? What do I want to do? A lot of people don't know what they want to do and what they want to be. But this morning, I am going to make life easy for you because I'm going to tell you what you ought to want to be what God wants you to do. Can't get much more simple than that. Uh, Do you know what that is? What does God want you to be? How could you put that in one simple statement? What does God want you to be? Well, surprisingly, God doesn't want everybody to be a pastor. And God doesn't even want everybody to be a missionary. What is it that God wants everyone to be? Answer, God wants every one of us to be like Jesus. God wants every one of us to be like Jesus. Now, I know that that's kind of a trick, and you say, oh, yeah, okay. No, but but there's a lot to that thought. God wants us to be like Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, it says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. What is that purpose? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to become conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. That is nice theological talk for saying he wants us to be like Jesus. He saved us. He predetermined that we would be like Jesus. So how does one do that? That sounds pretty nebulous. That sounds pretty opaque, pretty ethereal, pretty out there. Be like Jesus. What sense are we to be like Jesus? Again, the answer is pretty simple. Simple, not in its achievement. It's very difficult to achieve, but it's very simple to know what it is. It is very straightforward. It is quite clear. In fact, being like Jesus involves three choices in life. Three choices in life in order to be like Jesus. And that's what we want to emphasize this morning. The aim of this message, and more importantly of the passage that we're considering this morning is that we would all choose to be like Jesus. The key verse is Philippians 2, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have this mind, have this attitude. Be like Jesus. Now, in order to do that, you have to make three choices. The first choice, in order to be like Jesus, is that 
we must choose to be a servant. We must choose to be a servant. Look at Philippians 2, 6, and 7. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He took the form of a servant. He chose to be a servant as opposed to being served. The Son of God chose to be a servant. Notice verse 7. By taking the form of a servant. The Son of God chose to be a servant despite the fact that he should be served. Notice Philippians 2.6. Who though he was in the form of God. The word form in verse 6 is the same word for form that's found in verse 7. Form of a servant, form of God. The emphasis is that Jesus, the Son of God, was in the position of God. He decided to take the position of servant. So being in the position of God stands in juxtaposition to a form of a servant. So being in the form of God, the emphasis is on all of the privileges, prerogatives, and worship of being God. In John 1.1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. However, the Son of God decided to divest himself, that is, give up all the rights, privileges, and prerogatives of deity, which is found in the words in verse 7, but emptied himself. He emptied himself of those prerogatives, of those rights and privileges of deity. He did this by taking upon himself the position of a servant. Notice verse 7. By taking the form of a servant with all the duties and requirements that were associated with being a servant. Specifically, the Son of God chose to become a man. Verse 7. Being born in the likeness of man. That is the servanthood in particular that's being described. With all the requirements of being a human being. That is to serve God and to serve others. Jesus is unique in his desire to serve God and to serve others. This is Palm Sunday. That is not escape my notice. Let me tell you how my mind works. I was preparing for Palm Sunday, so I was looking at the passage that led into the triumphal entry of Jesus. The passage that leads into it is a discussion. It's a a narrative of an event that took place with the mother of James and John and James and John. 
Jesus announced that he must go into Jerusalem and he must suffer and he must die. And he was going to rise again. He talked about his coming kingdom. And the mother of James and John came on behalf of her sons and requested that when Jesus came into his kingdom, that they would have the privilege of sitting on his left and on his right. That they would have the place of honor, the place of prominence, the place of position. That they would be second and third in command, if you will, in the kingdom, next to Christ. We have this response of Jesus. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said, you don't get it. I came to be a servant. And you need to be a servant also. The Son of God chose to be like man. That should be mind-boggling to us. Notice verse 6. But though, in contrast, but though he was in the form of God, even though all the rights, prerogatives, privileges belong to the Son of God, even though that was true, notice these words, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That thing to be grasped means to hold on to the rights and privileges of deity in a tight-fisted manner. That he would not let it go, like a, a child's toy that won't share their toy with anyone else and they hold on to it firmly so that you can't wrestle it out of their hand. Jesus, well, excuse me, the Son of God, did not hold on to the rights and prerogatives and privileges tight-fistedly, but instead, with open hand, relinquished all the rights and prerogatives and privileges of deity in order to become a servant. Now, in order to do that, he chose to take on himself a position that was less than that of an angel. Hebrews 2.7. Thou hast made him for a little while lower than the angels. Lower than the angels. Now think about that for a moment. The angels are the highest of all created beings. Angels are higher than we are. We tend to think that we are in the, the uh, center of the universe, but angels have a, a higher position than what we do. But 
We shouldn't worship angels. We should worship God alone. And the angels worshiped God. There are, there is a hierarchy even among angels. There are angels that are more important than other angels. There is an archangel, which means the highest of all angels. The archangel is Satan. Satan was the highest of all angels. Angels are higher than human beings. Of all of the created beings, Satan was the highest. Of every created being. But he wasn't happy. He wasn't content in being the highest, the most important created being. He wasn't happy, he wasn't content till he would be like God. He wanted not to be like God in character. In essence, he wanted to be like God in position, in authority, in dominion. In Isaiah, it says, How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How are you cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low? You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That was Satan's ambition. To be like the most high God, not in character, but in position. Satan desperately wanted the Son of God to worship him. That's what he wanted. The Son of God to worship him. Remember the temptations in the wilderness. Matthew 4, 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, that's Jesus, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you. All these kingdoms. All this glory. I will give you everything I have. If you will fall down and worship me. If you will just serve me. I will give you everything. He wanted to be served. Instead of be a servant. Adam and Eve had everything that a human being could want. They were placed in a perfect garden. They had every need supplied. They had every blessing under the sun. They had a perfect relationship to one another and to God. But 
They wanted more. They wanted more. What did they want? Answer? They wanted to be like God. Genesis 3 and 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you won't die. Talking about what would happen if she ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. You'll be like God. You will be able to choose for yourself what's right and wrong. You'll be able to be your own person. You won't have to listen to God. You can decide for yourself. I'm offering you freedom. I'm offering you the opportunity to do whatever you want to do instead of having to worship and serve God. That sounded like a good thing to them. And so they chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as a result, they sinned, and all the misery and heartache and sinfulness came upon them. But I say to you this morning, that sinful nature still exists within us. Within you and me. There's that sinful, corrupted nature. There is that remnant of wanting to be like God. Not in character, which we should be. Be holy, for I am holy. To be like Jesus in his servanthood. But to be like God in his prominence. In his privileges. In his prerogatives in order to be worshipped. There is within all of us a desire to want to go our own way, to do our own thing, and yes, can I be so bold and so unabashed as to say to want God to serve us. In fact, we can even become angry with God when he fails to serve us. How dare God not answer my prayer? I trusted him. I believed that he would do X and Y for me. Why doesn't God do X and Y for me? Why doesn't God, in essence, serve me? In fact, it would be wrong for God not to serve me. Certainly, he doesn't choose me before the foundation of the earth, for I choose God. Who's God to choose me? Says the unsaved man. What right does God have to choose me? I choose God. Freely. Of my own accord. I choose to serve him or I choose not to serve him. The child of God realizes that we are a servant of God. So to be like Jesus, we must choose to serve God and serve others. The second choice that we must make in order to be like Jesus is one must choose to be obedient. Obedient to God and obedient to all those that God places in authority over us. Notice verse 8. 
And being the form of a human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Obedient. Jesus was obedient to the Heavenly Father. Hebrews 10.7 Then I said, Behold, I have come, and the roll of the book is written to me to do thy will of God. Jesus came to do the will of God. He came to be a servant. A servant of whom? A servant of God. He came to do God's will. And in doing God's will, he was obedient not only to God, but he was obedient to others. Jesus was obedient to others, beginning with obedience to his parents, Luke 2.51. Then he, that is Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them, that's his parents, that's after that event that took place when he was 12 years old in the temple. And it says this, and was obedient to them. Jesus spent his childhood in being obedient to his parents. You want to be like Jesus? You can be like Jesus as a five-year-old. Be obedient to your parents. Think about that. Think of the Son of God coming in this world to be a human being giving up all rights and prerogatives to be worshipped, to serve, to become a human being, and then as a human being, to be obedient to his parents. Jesus, go get some firewood. Jesus, make another carving. Jesus, go call your brothers and sisters for dinner. Jesus, do our beckoning. Jesus was obedient to his parents. As a young person, do you ever feel like you know more than your parents do? Why should you listen to them? Do you ever say, they're unfair? Why should I be under their authority? Do you ever chafe at the injustices, the inconsistencies of your parents and say, why should I listen to them? If anybody could have asked the question, why should they listen to their parents, it would be Jesus. Knows more than they do more righteous than they are, more justified, and yet he is obedient to them. How obedient was Jesus? Our text says, verse 8, to the point of death. To the point of death. He was willing to do what God wanted him to do, even to the point of death. And not only to the point of death, but it says, even the death of the cross, verse 8. So he's willing to die. But not just to die, he was willing to die even the death on a cross, which was the most shameful death there could be. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Filled with shame, filled with reproach, filled with agony, filled with pain. 
but he was willing to die on the cross. And in dying on the cross, he was obedient to God, and he was obedient to all the authorities that were placed over him as a human being. He was obedient to Pilate. He was obedient to the soldiers. He did what they told him to do. He submitted to their authority and even allowed himself to be beaten, scourged, spit upon, mocked, ridiculed. He was told to bear his cross and bear it he did as long as he could. And then as a human being fell under its weight, exhausted. And someone else then came and carried it for him. But he was obedient even to the point of death. If we want to be like Jesus, we have to choose to be obedient. Obedient to God and obedient to those who are placed over us. The third choice that one must make in order to be like Jesus is that one must choose to live one's life in such a way that it is deserving of praise in order to bring honor and glory to God. It's to choose to live one's life in a manner that it is worthy of praise in order to honor and glorify God the Father. In order to honor and glorify God the Father. Jesus lived his life in a manner that was worthy of praise. That is, he lived his life as a servant and he lived his life obediently. And as such, he is worthy of praise. Notice verse 9. Therefore, therefore, on account of the fact that he submitted himself to death, even the death of the cross, therefore, Jesus is exalted. Verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. In what way? He bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that at just Jesus' name, not even his presence, just at his name, every created being, things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, the whole angelic realm, all humankind, all humanity, every single person is going to bow before Jesus. They are going to serve him. And yes, they are even going to worship Verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. There was a foreshadowing of this in the triumphal entry. When Jesus entered Jerusalem of Passion Week, 
there was this great parade that took place where Jesus is riding on a borrowed donkey. And the children are crying out, even as we sung this morning, Hosanna! Blessed is the name of him who comes in the name of the Lord. Behold your king. This demonstration of worthiness that one day Jesus is going to experience. One day, people would bow to him completely and fully and unreservedly. Here's an amazing thought. We too, one day, are going to be exalted for having lived lives of service and obedience. We are going to be exalted for living a life of service and obedience. Matthew 25, 21. His master said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. A good servant, a righteous servant, an obedient servant, a faithful servant. Well done. When we stand before God, ultimately, ultimately, the rewards are going to be meted out by that criteria. Have we been good? Have we been faithful? Are we, in fact, obedient servants of God? And we're going to be praised and we are going to be rewarded, and we are going to be exalted based on the degree to which we have been faithful, obedient servants of God. What will that look like? Answer, similar to the exaltation of Jesus. One is we're going to receive crowns. And one of the reasons that we receive receive crowns is because they are reflective of a position that we're going to occupy. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we endure, we also, now listen to these words, will reign with him. Reign with him. People are actually going to bow down to us. They are the non believers. The people who oppose us, our enemies, those that would persecute us, those that would despitefully use us, those to whom we are to turn the other cheek, those to whom we are experienced to show forth love are going to one day acknowledge our goodness and appreciate our service. They actually are going to bow down to us. They're not going to worship us, but they are going to acknowledge us. Wow. 
But here's the real kicker. Why should we want that? Why should we desire that? What should motivate us to want to reign with Christ? What motivated Jesus? In John chapter 17, you don't need to turn there. It's Christ's prayer for and with his disciples just before he goes to the cross. And the prayer opens this way. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is coming. Glorify thy son. Now listen to these words. That thy son may glorify you. Exalt me so that I can exalt you. Glorify me so that I can glorify you. Notice Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now this phrase. To the glory of God the Father. To acknowledge Jesus for the glory of the Father. So we should seek to live a life worthy of praise for the sake of the honor and glory of the Father. For his sake, not ours. That will be our ambition. Revelation 4, 10, 11. The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy art thou, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and praise for thou didst create all things and because of thy will they existed and were created. And we're going to take these crowns and throw them at the foot of the throne of God. We will take all praise and adoration that comes to us and give it back to God. So what is our duty based on this passage? Our duty is based on the example of Jesus. Notice Philippians 2.12, because most people stop there. But notice, therefore... There's an application for us. Therefore, because of Christ's high and exalted position, therefore, our duty is to be obedient to God and to those whom he has placed over us. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always, notice the word, obeyed. So now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, Not just when people are watching over us, but in the privacy of our own home. Be obedient. Our duty is to accomplish God's purpose in saving us. 
Notice verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so not, not only as my presence, but much more in my absence. Now these words, work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. That doesn't mean work for your salvation. That doesn't mean obtain your salvation. It means accomplish the purpose for your having been saved. Work out God's purpose in your life. 4, verse 13. 4. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. He saved you for his purpose. So there's a general truth here. And that is that he saved you for a purpose. All things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. He has a reason for saving every single one of us in this room. And we can talk about it in generic terms. It's true of every single one of us in this room if we know Jesus is our Savior, that he saved us to serve himself and to be obedient. So that we would bring honor and glory to God. That is true of each and every one of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. But now there's a specificity to it. And that is that God has chosen each and every one of you who know the Lord Jesus as a Savior to specifically serve him and to be obedient to him, to bring honor and glory to God the Father. So that means, in whatever I do, whether I'm a pastor whether I'm a missionary, or whether I'm a teacher, or whether I'm a bricklayer, whatever it is that I do, I do it, first of all, with a heart of servants, a servant's heart, serving God and serving my fellow human being. So when you go to work, You are not to be, as Ephesians says, men-pleasers. But you're to be serving God. This is my way of serving God. So when you're at your job, then the passage goes on to talk about murmuring, complaining, and all these things. Can't get into all that this morning, but you're serving God. And then you see, in whatever vocation, whatever calling you have, is this is an opportunity to serve other people. Not just myself, not just to get a, a paycheck, not just my family, but I am placed in this role, in this responsibility in life in order to be a, a servant to other people. And ultimately, to bring honor and glory to God. By being a servant and by being obedient. So we have come full circle. So what does God want from you this morning? To be like Jesus. What does that mean? 
to adopt a mindset of a servant. To choose to be obedient to God and others. To live a life that is deserving of praise. For being a good servant. For being obedient. So that it will result in honor and glory to God. For it is only by God's grace and it's only by God's power that we can live that life of service and obedience. And it will be quite evident of God's grace and goodness in our lives. Let's pray. Our Father, as we think this morning of the triumphal entry, Lord, there's going to be one day in which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I pray that this day that you would help us to to willingly bow the knee and to confess Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. That we would welcome his authority. That we would gladly turn over the reins of our lives. And that we would recoil from the thought that it would be so far from us to think of you as being our servant. To think of you as existing in order to simply provide for us. To have done all this so that we can get our own way and we can choose our own life. But Lord, help us to want to be a servant. And help us to realize that in that servant spirit, At the heart of it is obedience. It's doing what you want. It's waiting on you at every beck and call. Doing whatever you would ask of us, even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And to recognize, oh God, what mankind wants so desperately, and that is to be approved to be held in worth, to be held in regard, to be looked up to, to think that one day we will receive not just the praise of men, but your praise. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. May may we enter into that joy. May we experience, know the joy of hearing you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And, O Lord, to think That one day, even other members of mankind are going to kneel before us in recognizing the worthiness of servants being praised. Oh Lord, and then having the opportunity to acknowledge and to give praise to you for all that you have accomplished in us and through us. Help us this day, this day of triumph, to allow you to be the king of our hearts and lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.